This is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Remain standing while I read for you. Uh, Verse 15 says, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father charged before he died, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am for am I in God's place. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result. To preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now Joseph stayed in Egypt, he and his father's household. And Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw the third generation of Ephraim's son, also the sons of Machir, the, the son of Manasseh, were born, born on Joseph's knee. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die. But God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised an oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. So we ask you this morning, in the name of Jesus, to open our eyes to see your truth. Open our ears to hear your voice. Open our minds to understand your word. And open our hearts to receive everything you have in store for us. Lord, we want to be more than more hearers of your word, but doers also. Bless this time, Lord God. May we live what we preach and preach what we live in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. The goal of this message firstly is to define the providence of God in such a way that we will understand that there is no such thing as luck, faith or chance. We kind of ended here last week saying that for the believer, if you are born again child of God, there is no such thing as luck, faith which is F-A-T-E, or chance. The second goal is to demonstrate that God 
in his infinite wisdom and his sovereignty and his providence uses both the good and the evil that people do in his well-orchestrated plan of fulfilling his destiny for our lives. The final goal is to encourage us that although we cannot see everything that God is doing in the background, we can trust that he's faithful to get us to the place that he wants us to be. That's the purpose. That we will understand the providence of God. We'll understand that he uses good and evil. That people do to us to work things for our good. And also to understand that when you can't see stuff on the forefront, God is probably working in the background. Amen? And so don't lose hope and don't give up. The truth is that we, we use words like luck, chance, or faith to describe things that seem to happen without purpose or explanation. You know, people will say to you, man, you are so lucky you came out of that accident and, and, and without a scratch or just this and, and you're a child of God. And, and oftentimes we accept that as luck or, or it's by chance you, you get a promotion or you got the job and there are 20 persons, 30 persons there and you think, but really and truly, uh, when you understand that we're going to get into this a little later, when you understand the sovereignty of God and the operation of God in your life, you know it's not chance. I am not lucky. I am blessed and I'm favored of the Lord. Whatever happens in my life is not by luck. I don't pass exams. I didn't graduate from university or high school by luck or chance. It is the favor and the mercy of God. I mean, recently, I was almost run off the road by a driver. It wasn't by luck that I wasn't in a major accident. It was God's hand protecting and keeping me. Amen? Even if a hundred of us go and I win, it's not, by, it's not luck. It is God. I give the credit to the sovereignty of God. The rule and the reign of God for the things that happen in my life. It's not luck. It's not chance. So I am not here by chance. I'm here by the favor of God and by the grace of God. And we must believe that. We must understand that we weren't lucky to be born in the family we are. We are favored to be born in the family we are. The wife you have, you are not lucky to have her. You are favored and blessed by God to have her. And the same thing goes for the husband. It's not luck and it's not chance. Amen? See, the problem with using words like these is that they fail to acknowledge a larger truth. When you begin to use words like luck and chance and faith, there's a larger truth that we are failing to acknowledge. And that truth is that God is completely sovereign. God is completely sovereign. Which means that he, his rule affects everything and everybody. God's rule affects everything and everybody. No, it's hard for us to comprehend that because we may be wondering. Even the evil people in the world, God is sovereign. The sovereignty of God makes him king of all kings and lord of all lords. The sovereignty of God makes him above all and before all. Therefore, all things 
on earth, above the earth, and under the earth is subject to the sovereignty of God. Am, am I making sense? It means his authority is supreme and cannot be thwarted or challenged. God says it, that's it. You can't change it. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but it is the counsel of God that will stand. I tell people, God, it's not that God will not lie. God cannot lie. There's a, in other words, there is no will where that is concerned. It cannot happen. Because if God says it, it becomes truth. So he cannot lie. If God says to you, roads are oceans, it's not a lie. Roads become ocean. So it is a truth. God cannot lie. Not that he will not. He cannot. Therefore, it means that his authority is supreme. There is none above God. None above God. No power anywhere on earth, under the earth, above the earth that is above the power and the authority of God. As such, when he wills to do something, there is nothing in this universe that can stop him. Hallelujah. Listen, that's the place. Listen, and if you live in that place, understanding the sovereignty of God, that if God wills to do something in your life, it means that it makes you surrender more easily to the sovereignty of God. Because if I know there's nothing that can change or thwart the purpose of God, then it becomes easy for me to surrender to that purpose. I don't fight it because it can't be changed. It is a stupid person who tries to change what is impossible to change. And if God's purposes and plans cannot be thwarted, it's better we live in surrender to his sovereignty. Amen? Furthermore, this same sovereign God has a specific plan for our lives. It is planned to the very detail and has taken all factors into consideration. God has taken every concern in your life. God has taken everything into consideration. He knows the problems with your biological father. He knows the problem with your biological mother. He knows all the bad relationships that you have had. And all of those factors are taken into consideration. In other words, here is how it works. God ended your story. And he got to the end. And he closed the book. And then he went back to the beginning. And then he put you in the story. So in God's world, your book is completed. You're just living through the pages. But God has already gone through it. And it's closed in God's eyes. He knows the end from the beginning. What that means is that before God begins you, he ends you. And then he puts you at the beginning to get to the end that he has already gotten to. That's sovereignty. So because the God was planned, the details of your life and my life is sovereign, the things that happen in our everyday lives are a part of that plan. Now let's put this into context, right? We don't get to the notes yet. If I believe that God is sovereign, then the things that happen in my everyday life are part of his plans. Because if he is supreme authority, has total rule, and I'm a child of God, then this is a part of the book. 
He's not surprised. So I shouldn't be surprised. I should just submit to his sovereignty. And if we can live in this place, we have greater peace in our life. Right? So these things in our lives, the everyday things that happen, they do not happen by chance or luck. They happen as a result of his providence. So we're going to talk about his sovereignty and his providence. That is not to say that the Lord does evil, nor does he approve of it. However, he does use it. Now you may be saying, but if God is in control, why bad things happen? We're going to get to that. Listen, God don't do bad things. God just uses the bad things that happen to bring good. And glory to his name. And so we go, as we talk about God's sovereignty at the back end, I'm going to speak about human responsibility. Because although there is God's sovereignty, there is human responsibility. Within God's sovereignty, there is freedom that people have to make choices. Because God doesn't impose himself or his will on anyone. So the evil that happens because of the actions and decisions of human beings get used for ultimate good by God. God's plans provide each of us with a great degree of freedom to include the freedom to do good or bad things. So God has a plan for you, but you have a freedom. You have, and that is why people say, only you can abort the plans of God over you because you can make bad choices. But bad choices by you don't mean God's plan changes. Is that you have gone on a detour. And sometimes you need to come off that detour. And get back on the plan that God has for you. The road, the road that God has for you. God's plan provides each of us with a degree of freedom. So rather than simply preventing us from doing evil. He takes our evil intentions. And use them to fashion a greater destiny for each and every one of us. Which includes the many detours we take along the way. All of those stops that we have in life. Setbacks and standstills have already been factored into his larger plan. In delivering us to the place he intended for us all along. God knew that you were going to have a divorce in his, the scripture speaks about his foreknowledge. So the foreknowledge of God doesn't change your choices. It uses your good choices and bad choices to bring you to the end of your book. You, flowing? I want to make sure you're flowing with me, right? So God is not going to stop me from making my choice of doing evil. God could. God could remove all evil from the world and put us back to Eden before Adam and Eve sinned. There was a time when there was no evil. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. Right? They had a choice. Simple choice. Eat from that tree or that tree. But don't touch that one, touch that one. That life is very simple. Touch or don't touch. That's it. Before there was good and evil, there was obedience. 
So to live in the sovereignty of God, we have to remove from our thought what is good and evil and think about obeying God. If Adam and Eve focus on total obedience to God, they would never understand good and evil. It is disobedience to God that causes mankind to come to a place of questioning what is good and evil. And if you want to remove yourself from that, listen, if you, if you want to remove, just live in, in, in obedience to God and you live in the sovereignty of God's purpose and plan. You see, we may not understand how he does it. We may not see all the moving pieces that are a part of that, that grand working. Right? But because he's sovereign and greatly desires the best for us, we can put our total trust in what he's doing, even when it looks like chaos or it makes no sense at all. So the first, the first week I ask you this question, and I'm going to ask you again. How many persons in here believe that God's plan and will for your life is the absolute best thing for your life? Just put your hand up if you agree. believe that. That what God wills and plans for me is the best thing. All of us agree. All right. How many of us believe that we are walking, we are being led by the Lord? Let me put it very simple. How many of you believe that my life is being led by the Lord? All right. That's very good. I like you, you all got 100%. You answer the question right. Like if you never answered right, we'd call it to the altar and lay hands on you. You need prayer. But <laughs> I'm just kidding, right? But here's the thing. Now, it's, it's kind of amazing, right? We believe that what God has in, plan, in store for us is God's best and what is best for us. We believe that we are being led by the Lord. But yet, we are in, when we are in some circumstances, we complain, we argue, and we become unthankful. Why? If you believe that what God is doing is best, and you believe you are led by God, and so where you are, you must believe that this is where God wants me to be. And, and, and why then am I complaining? Why then am I unthankful? So that now we can understand why Paul says, In everything, give thanks, because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Oftentimes what happened, when we pass that place where we were complaining and all of that, and we look back, we begin to look back and say, Boy, look what the Lord has done. God, I thank you. Now it begins to make sense. But when we look back, we realize that, then why was I complaining? Why was I behaving so badly? Why was my attitude so sour in the midst of it? When you understand God's sovereignty, it gives you peace in the storm. When you understand God's sovereignty, it makes you thankful. Even when your circumstances don't give you a reason to, you are thankful because you understand that I'm living in God's providence and in the sovereignty of God. And that's the key to living a heart, a, a life where your heart is grateful and a life that gives thanks to God in all things, in everything. Uh, listen, remember, you're giving thanks to God. I, I'm, not, I'm not telling you to, to, to rejoice because of what is happening. You're rejoicing in God in the midst of what is happening. And so there is a difference. I'm not saying you must be happy that you got divorced. I'm saying that even in divorce, you can rejoice in the Lord. And there is the difference. Because I understand that all things that process work together for good. That's, that, that's the key right there. 
Therefore, church, the twists and the turns we experience in this life are a part of a larger, well-thought-out plan to bring us into our destiny. You see this in all the stories in the Bible. Everything came together at the end to make the story. Look at David's story. At one stage, he was taking care of some sheep forgotten by his father, and then the prophet anoints him. It takes him several years to go. He goes to, to play for Saul and casting out demons. And so the demons got back in Saul somehow. And Saul said, well, David, I'm going to cast you out. He threw spears at David. David had to leave, run away. David, listen, David was supposed to be king in that palace. And the king in the palace kicked David out of the palace and sent him in a cave. Alright, David goes around from cave to cave, from cave to cave, from cave to cave, and being pursued by Saul. I guess in all, can you imagine somebody promise you, you know that you're supposed to get the job as president of the company, and they send you to a location that you had no desire of being, and you are nobody's here, don't get along. They give you the worst set of people to work with. You remember how David built up the people? You remember he got some men and he said, listen, they call him mighty men of valor. He called them. They were the, the, the scums of the earth. Can you imagine you were in position to be the president of the company and they transfer you to the part of the company that is failing. Put you around people who are failing the company and say, this is where you're supposed to serve. You would have said to them, that's not the Lord's doing. <laughs> not only that, David went through all of that. All of that. Then David gets to the brink of the palace again. And then he stops in a place called Hebron. For 20 more years, he has to wait before he becomes king of all of Judah. Can you imagine? After you suffered for 20 years, you still have to wait at next 20. Doing the right thing. But it all came together. So what does this mean? In your notes, providence is the way God arranges things to achieve his sovereign purpose. That's providence. The way God arranges things to achieve his sovereign purpose. The providence of God is God is arranging things right now to accomplish, to achieve his sovereign purpose purpose what is happening in your life god in his providence is arranging some stuff he's arranging them so that his sovereign purpose can be achieved so that what he has at the end of your book become the story you become i mean you know it's like math math is very hard i mean many 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 brilliant people struggle with math right i i did so don't feel bad about certain fields of of mathematics they are extremely hard like geometry algebra calculus in fact they are considered by some to be rather sophisticated or even complicated right e explaining the complexities of these fields are beyond many of us if, if someone were to ask you can you please explain calculus um to me well you just said get a calculator and we will calculate for us. You know, that's, that's probably the explanation you'll give. But, 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 <laughs> but even if the final points of mathematics are too much for the average person, they rest on one simple principle. And if you get this principle, you're a math brain. It's one. 
it, it rests on one simple principle. I'm going to teach it this morning. I know you didn't know it. One plus one equals two. Come and say it with me. One plus one equals two. If you can't get that, you won't get math. Think about it. If, if you can't get this simple principle right, don't even start. Everything begins. Calculus begins right here. 1 plus 1 equals 2. Algebra begins right here. 1 plus 1 equals 2. Geometry begins right here. You can call it isosceles, triangle, all of those things, what you want to call. You can try to find perimeter and radius and pipe, all of these things. 1 plus 1 equals 2. If you don't get that, nothing else is going to make sense. That's the foundational principle of mathematics. Look how simple it is. Like, this is the exam we should get. And if you pass this exam, you should get grade 1 or whatever in math. It can't be. Any, I mean, because if you have this, you can add and subtract anything in this life. 1 plus 1 equals 2. Amen? <laughs> All the higher principles rest on that foundational one. And if you don't get the simple one right, all the others will fail to make sense. And so life feels like math sometimes. It can get so complicated where the things that happen just don't add up. You look at your life and you say, this is not making any sense. But if you start with the foundation that God is sovereign, one, and he providentially arranges things in order to accomplish his goal. Two, so one plus one, you have laid a foundation through which to look at the complexities of life that comes your way. That is our one plus one in this life. God is sovereign. And he providentially arranges things in order to accomplish his goal. That, that, those two things put together makes everything add up and make sense. Beyond the message of the gospel church, the first thing of importance we need to know about in regards to our Christian experience is God's sovereignty. The moment you get saved, what you need to comprehend is God's sovereignty. So this week, I want to challenge you. When you go home, go see your Bible and read up, study the sovereignty of God. Try to comprehend that, what that is. You see why? Because sovereignty as it relates to God is absolute rule and control over everything created. When we speak about sovereignty, what we are saying is that God has absolute, absolute rule. Complete and total rule and control over everything created. So let me ask you. Who was in control when the devil went to Job? God. God was in control. Who was in control with no one to flood? God was in control. Who was in control when the Israelites were being pursued by the Egyptians? God was in control. Who was in control when he, they, they, were in, they were in Egypt in slavery? God was in control. All these things. When you read the pages of the scripture, you realize that from beginning to end, God has never lost control. What that means is that whatever is going on in your life, from beginning to end, 
God has not lost control. He is sovereign over it all. Whether good or bad things happen, they both occur under God's rule. It's under God's rule. The second thing of importance we need to know about in regards to our Christian experience is God's providence. Because providence establishes all activity as both under his rule and part of his design. When you understand the sovereignty of God, you realize that this is part of God's design. This is part of God's plan. This is part of God's plan. I know sometimes we don't feel that way. Yeah, but, but it's a part of God's plan. There are some things that has transpired in your life. And when you understand the providence of God, you understand that this is a part of God's plan for my life. And if you live in this place, things will be better off. I, I'm learning that church because there are sometimes I look back and I say, boy, I can't believe that. Look, look what I went through. Right, right now, I'm going through stuff and I, I would want to complain. But when I think about the sovereignty of God and the providence of God, I realize that, ah, this could be God working. This is God doing something. And some, some way, when I, when I get down the road, I'm going to look back and say, Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Have you ever had that experience where you thought something was bad? But five years on, you look back and you're so grateful that you had the experience because somehow it has brought you to a place with God and in God that you're so grateful because without that bad experience, you don't know what would have happened. But thank God that you had the surgery. Thank God that you were fired from the job. Hallelujah. Imagine... If I'm, I'm going to get to this. Listen, listen. E even losing a job is a good thing. I'm, listen, I'm, I'm glad that I had some failures in school. Because I'd have pursued the wrong thing. I'd be a mad scientist right now. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'd be mixing up all kinds of portions. All over this world. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah. But, but, but I just failed chemistry. Yeah, I, mean, I couldn't do chemicals very well. It was, wasn't my thing. I thank God because, I mean, I, mean I, I like trying out stuff. So when I'm making juice, you know, I mean, I just look around the kitchen. And, and, and if it's in the cupboard, it can go in the air. I don't <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, like, I, I tell people, my juice is going to taste good. Not because of the ingredients, but because of who is the maker. <laughs> so I just give a little bit of everything, you know what I mean? So I can't imagine me being a scientist in a lab. I just go around and just taking everything and say, so This is your next portion. You having a headache? <laughs> what is in there? Every little thing. Every little thing. <laughs> this is what God, God was doing something. Hallelujah. I was here learning to be a teacher. I never taught in school, but God has been in church. And I felt at one point that I had made a mistake. God has used that whole thing to help me to be a teacher of his word that, that's what I'm talking about it's a part of God's providence and his sovereignty that he's putting the details together both big and small activities as well as both good and evil activities are used in God's ultimate plan because God is sovereign and arranges all things for his purpose there can never be any such thing as luck chance or faith 
Luck or chance occurs completely at random. There is no purpose to their occurrence. There is no purpose to luck. No purpose. What seems like luck or chance, good or bad, is not actually random at all. But evidence that God knew in advance. That God knew in advance would happen. Which he factors into the larger plan. So what we call luck, God knows. God knows. Because God uses both the good and the evil. That humanity commits to achieve his will. And to bring about his present results. And this is going to set you free from even walking with emotional scars and pain. A lot of the pains we carry is because of stuff people have done to us. And they hurt us. And some of us get bitter. And we walk with unforgiveness. We want justice. And we are seeking vengeance and revenge and, and all of that. But if you understand God's sovereignty and God's providential will, then you'll, you'll realize that there's no place for that in your life. Why? I want you to understand that instead of seeking revenge or justice, Joseph recognizes God's sovereignty in his brother's action against him. And this is what caused Joseph to forgive instead of seeking revenge. Remember, the brothers were... They, they, were, they were thinking that the only action of Joseph would to get back at us. When you understand God's sovereignty, when you understand God's providence, you, what people do to you to hurt you, begin to make more sense. And instead of even hating them, you begin to love them. Because you realize that they were part of the plan to get you to where God wants you to be. Forgiveness becomes easy. You, 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 you understand me? What, what, here's what he says in, in verse 19 to 20. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am, for am I in God's place? In other words, I'm not God. I am not God. I'm not in control of this. You're not in control of this. God is. This is God at work. Jo Listen, sometimes when people do your stuff, you need to help them. So don't be afraid. It's God at work. I know you probably don't get along with your father and he should have taken care of you and sent you to school and that never happened and he just left your mother and she had to raise you all alone. Listen, just call him and say, hey, hey dad, thank you. Thank you so much. I know you don't know this, but it was God at work. Don't be afraid. I love you, I forgive you. There's no vengeance, there's no justice that I'm seeking. It was God at work. That ex that left you broken hearted. Hey, you need to call him and say, hey, listen, thank you so much. Don't be afraid. It was God at work. It says, as for you, in verse 20, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to bring about this present result. He was saying that all that was happening is in order for God to bring me to this present place. You had to do what you did. So it's not your fault. So I don't need to even have you up. People treat you bad. Hey, it's not your fault. God is bringing me somewhere. 
Yeah. Ha, has anyone ever bad drive you? Like this happened to me sometime. And you stop. Because you go. That was close. And then you go down the road and there's an accident. And you say well. Thank God. <laughs> Don't let it just make sense when everything is done. See what God is doing when you're going through it. But not only that, he says to preserve many people's life. In other words, he said, this wasn't just about you and me. It was about generations and generations. The rule of God trumps every evil act that Joseph brothers committed. Which is the catalyst that sets Joseph off and his, on his 22-year detour to destiny. So while we may find life complicated and difficult to navigate... The foundation of it all is that God is sovereign and he has complete control over its result. In the end, God rules and God reigns. Nothing can change that and nothing can thwart that. You see, it's like a dog on a leash. You see, many people have a dog. Probably um, you have a leash for the dog. And that leash grants it a degree of freedom depending on how long the leash is. Right? But there comes a point when the dog wants to go too far. It tries to go beyond the length of the leash. So it pulls in a particular direction that you may not want, that you may not want it to go. If the dog continues to pull hard on the leash, it will experience resistance and even pain in its neck. In a similar way, the people who mess with you every day are like, that dog on a leash. So let me just help you. Please don't go and call them dog on leash. That's not the point, right? I'm not, that's not what I'm saying, right? Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's someone at church. Uh, maybe it's a family member. You see, they have been given a certain freedom to give you grief. Bad mouth you or make your life miserable. But they cannot go beyond the length of the leash. A sovereign God is protecting you and your destiny from any resistance you might encounter. The people who are putting pressure on you, causing a problem, there's a limit to what they can do because God is in control. And at the appropriate time, God will put an end to it. God will turn it around. God will either remove you, God will either remove them. Listen, there are some people, you need trouble in your life in some stages to get you to your next destination. In other words, Elijah needed to be pressured by Ahab and, and, and Jezebel so he could have the Mount Carmel experience. You understand that sometimes, you see, David had to build up some men, right? So he had to go into the caves and into some places that he would have never seen and experienced. Do, 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 do you understand that? Sometimes uh, uh, Naomi had to lose a husband so she could meet Ruth, so Ruth had to lose her husband so that she could meet Boaz. And out of that comes, same line comes Jesus. Do, do you understand that even in death of someone, God is still working? Esther was in a beauty contest. She didn't win it by luck. 
God was setting. Yeah, it was that boy, Esther, are you lucky? Look at all the beautiful girls and you're not so cute, Esther. No, 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 no. That wasn't saying God. In fact, the scripture says, you don't know if you have been placed in the kingdom for such a time as this. Sometimes pregnancy, you think like you're bad lucky. It could be like, like yeah, Joseph must have thought, boy, I am so bad lucky. I see this young girl and I love her and the day me decide, I decided that let's get engaged. Next week she tell me that she's pregnant. What kind of thing is this? But here's what happened. But even in that, God is working. God is working. Listen, Jesus Christ goes to the cross, gives up his life, but God is working. He's put in a tomb, but God is working. Paul says, Beaten, imprisonment awaits me in Jerusalem. But I'm still going. Even if you feel like you've been treated wrong, God is still working. He's still working. Amen? They cannot go beyond. No matter what people do, they cannot go beyond the lens of the leash. You see, God has made restrictions or rules. But within those restrictions... We have been given freedom. He's not going to impose himself on your free will. You know, American football or soccer in Jamaica. In American football, there are sidelines. Or in soccer, there are sidelines and goal lines. Uh, let's call those sovereign borders. They do not move. Right? The Olympics are going on right now. And the track has eight lanes. Now, if you are very, very uh, slender... You have to fit in the lane. If you are extremely huge, you have to fit in the lane. It doesn't matter. You have to fit in the lane. They, they're not going to widen the lane. Or they're not going to reduce the size of the lane. The, the, it is set. Right? They don't move. You can't negotiate them. You can't make them wider or narrow. They are fixed standard by which the game of football is played. And they are non-negotiable. So it is with football. The lines on the football field, you can't extend it. You can't minimize it. If you step on the sidelines, you are out of bounds. But within the boundaries, you're free to call your own play. You can call a bad play and you can lose yardage. You can call a good play and make yardage. You are free to call the play. But the play has to be within the lines. In other words, the sovereign boundaries of football Restrict how free you are without denying you the ability to be free. God is not denying you the ability to be free. But he determines how free you are. In other words, freedom of speech does not mean you have the right to say whatever you want to say, wherever you want to say it, However you want to say it, to whomever you want to say it, about whomever you want to say it, it don't work like that. Within freedom of speech, there are boundaries. Amen? My kids have freedom of speech. But that freedom is determined. <laughs> By the leader of the freedom party. I. 
because they are in my household. When they move into their own home, they have a different level of freedom of speech. But once you reside in the freedom party that Tenet owns, you have a certain level of freedom. So you are not free to tell me whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. God is sovereign. He has created sovereign boundaries. But he also created freedom. That freedom allows you to make a good play or a bad play. To be right or wrong. Just don't cross the boundaries. And so our freedom means that we can make both good and evil choices. At the end of the day, God being sovereign doesn't mean that he takes away human responsibility. We still have choices to make. And when we choose to violate God's restrictions, just like in football, there's a penalty associated with that violation. Whether it's judgment against sin or consequences for bad choices. There are consequences. Therefore, there are some consequences we have for the actions that we take. And I say to people, obey God, leave the consequences to him. That's it. Obey God. Because when you disobey, there, there are consequences. And his sovereignty doesn't remove human responsibility. You have a freedom within the freedom that God has given you. Even when we choose evil, God does not stop being sovereign. We're going to do things wrong. It doesn't change the fact that he's sovereign. God's providence means that both our good and evil choices become part of his righteous plan. It's a Pharaoh commits evil by hardening his heart against God and his people. And so God further hardened his heart to fulfill his plan of deliverance. It was Pharaoh who chose to be hard. And because he chose to be hard, his heart was hardened. He had a choice. He could have let the people go at the first instant. Even when Satan goes after Job, he still needs permission to do so. And he's free to do what he wants. With the restriction that he cannot take Job's life. It means that Satan was never in control. And Job was never in control. God was. God determined the extent of the pressure. A, a good scripture to remember is, is 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to all men. And God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted more than you can bear but with the temptation he will provide a way of escape in other words God puts the limits on he is in control finally as we come to a close we can all see the intricacies of God's providential work even when it seems like he's doing nothing God is always working it out Always. I know sometimes you, feel, you ask, where is God in all of this? When the hardship and the tough times in life comes, we question, where, where is God? God is working. You do, listen, there are many things happening in the background that you don't know. Right now, to make church happen. Can someone tell me where the light, the, the electric, electric power is coming from? You can't see it. But we know it's here because there are lights and there's sound. But we can't see 
certain aspect of what is happening because work is going on in the background. Oftentimes what happens, we get discouraged because we can't see everything in the background. But God knows, church. He knows that if he were to show you and tell you everything, you know what would happen? We'd go off on our own way. Like it's like teaching your daughter or your son how to cook. You know if you just said to them, Alright, here, the, here is the recipe. And you give them the recipe, they run off in the kitchen by themselves and they start, they start um, doing the pasta and next thing you know you have burnt pasta for dinner. Alright, and all of that stuff. So what you do, you, 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 you're, you're with, there with them and you say, alright, a little bit of pasta. How oh, you do pasta? I don't, I don't know, like I'm, I'm not a cook. Thing. Let's use rice and peas, I know how to do that. Right? <laughs> right. Hey, let's do, let's do some ramen noodles. That one I know, right? Yeah, that's simple enough, right? So I, I, don't, I don't let my sons, I don't give them the instructions and leave them. Because I know them. They want to explore. They want to experiment. We are like that. If God showed us the whole thing, if God said, listen, you are going to get married to Mr. Tall, Dark, and Handsome. Listen, you're off long time. Your parents can't tell you anything. Mommy, what do you mean I can't go out with him? But you know that God said he's the one for me. Hello, we can start dating from now. Why I can't go over? Why I can't go over? We want to go out and date. We can't even pack up this school thing because we already know that we are going to get married. See, the teenagers are laughing. They know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they said, exactly. That's what we would do. Yeah, listen, if, if, if everything was told to you, about what God is going to do at your workplace, you probably start treating people bad. They say, okay, you wait. I'm going to be the president next year. <laughs> yeah. I it. So God gives us enough details. And you will not get the second instruction from God until you obey the first instruction. Let me say that again. God is not going to give you something new until you have obeyed the old. The problem is we want more stuff. We want to know more when we are not obeying the much that we have been given by God. So, so follow me. Joseph cannot see, that, cannot see all that God is doing. But he recognizes that all that had happened to him was for God's greater purpose. See, Jacob believes that Joseph and Benjamin are dead and that Simeon is doomed because he's unable to see all that God is doing in the background. So Genesis 42, 36 says this, And their father Jacob said to them, You have deprived me of my son. Joseph is gone and Simeon is gone and now you would take Benjamin. All these things are against me. He didn't know that they weren't gone. God was just setting a different plan into motion. See, sometimes we think we have lost things. We haven't lost them. God has just taken them to upgrade them. Because there's a reconnecting, there's a restoring that is going to take place. And so the latter is going to be greater than the former. You see, God connects every act of every person with his own perfect plan in order to accomplish his destiny in each of our lives. And so Paul confer confirms this. In Romans 8 verse 28, he confirms that God is always working it out. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good 
to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. See, God doesn't show us the whole picture so that we, he doesn't do that because he wants us to learn to walk by faith and to be willing to be led by God. For we walk by faith and not by sight. He says you're a perverse generation because you want a sign to believe. Blessed are those who have believed though they have not yet seen. You don't have to see it but believe it. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You see, the face of a watch. If you wear a watch and you ask someone else for the time, you look at the face at the watch, mine is saying uh, 12.20. Right? The only reason you can see the correct time on the face is because underneath it, a series of very tiny gears and other mechanisms continually move and function to make sure that the face shows the correct time. In other words, what you see exists because of what you can't see. Church, God is working. You may not be seeing all of it, but what you see is evidence that He's working. I know you want it to be faster. But God works not based on chronological time order, but according to Kairos time. That's what scripture speaks about primarily. The set appointed time. Kairos, the set appointed time of God. Not, not chronos, which is chronological time order. That is why a day is like a thousand. And a thousand is like a day with the Lord. His time is different. He causes the sun to stand still. God can make the day longer just to fulfill his purpose in your life. He can make the night shorter because he's God. So even if you don't see what's underneath or understand how it all works, you trust that those tiny moving parts will always tell the truth. When you're dealing with the providence of God, you will never see all that there is to see. In fact, what you do see often doesn't make a lot of sense. That's because God is always doing more than one thing at a time. He's dealing with billions of things at the same time. And even though we may only catch a small part of what he's dealing with, we trust that he is taking care of everything. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Because God is sovereign, he's never caught by surprise. He never says, oops, that one got away from me. He doesn't do that because if he's controlling, because he's controlling the big and the little things. That means he's not surprised by anything. What shocks you and what shocks me was long known by God. God is sovereign and nothing happens outside of his rule. But within that sovereignty, he created freedom, which means which we get to choose. You are free to say yes. We are free to say no. We are free to stay and we are free to go. Freedom means we can be good or bad. We can be righteous or unrighteous. We can be evil or not. See, we have all done both because we are free. 
when luck or its sibling chance, faith or happenstance are embraced as something to rely on, call upon or hope for, you have now created an idol because luck becomes the thing that you're looking forward to in making things work out for you. So many people are hoping to luck their way into destiny. Hoping that enough positive forces will happen around them that will produce this concept that will bring about good life. So today, I want to change our vocabulary. I want us to walk away from this thing called luck. And I want us to walk away with this, this just these two words, God's sovereignty and God's providence. I'm not living by luck. I'm living according to God's sovereignty and His providence over my life. And all things, I don't like everything that's happening, but all things are going to work together for good. And I'm going to keep trusting God. You see, there's a song that says, um, and even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop. I want you to know, I don't know what you're going through today in your life and Life can be like that. It can tell us that, listen, it's not working out. and God has forgotten. He has given up on you. It was 40 years. 40 years that Moses waited. Many years it took Noah to build that ark. He must have felt like, this is not real. God said it would rain and nothing. Elijah sent out his servant seven times. said, tell me what you see. He said, I see nothing. What do you see? I see nothing. The seventh time, the servant came back and he says, All I see is a cloud the size of my face. Elijah sees that and says, Oh, there's an abundance of rain. Sometimes you go through year one and nothing don't change. Year two and nothing don't change. There's a story recently told about this. Um, she's an American. She's a Miss Universe. Or Miss, Miss America. African-American young lady who was in the army I think her name is Barbo something D Barbo I don't remember her name but she 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 was in a a, a target working and a, a, a lady a, a white lady saw her and walked over and said I mean and the first question the lady asked her that if she was born in America of course she's an Af- African American so she started taking offense right and and then the next question she said yes she was born here and she started telling the lady where she was born and all of that and then the lady said do you have any children she said no the lady asked her do you and she's getting really really offended now then the lady asked her are you married she said no and she, she got so upset that she was about to curse the lady said listen I think you're so beautiful you should enter Miss America and, and, and like everything changed and so she entered because she was in at University of Virginia in her second year. And she had signed up for the army because she wanted to go and serve. Beautiful young lady. This lady told her that she tried the first year and she failed. And she was telling this story and she said, Well, you know what I did? I went back the second year and guess what? I lost again. Then she said, I went back. All right. So I said, Okay, well, I went back the third year and I lost again. She said, I went by the fourth year. And finally, I lost again. Then she said, I went by the fifth year. Alright, now, this is it. I lost again. She said, I went by the sixth year. And I lost again. And she said, her father said to her, you need to stop this. 
you need to stop this. And she called the lady and she said, uh, I can't remember her name, but she started cursing her and said, Listen, you told me to do this. This is six years. The lady says, I still believe you can win Miss America. Between that phone call and she entered the competition, the lady died. And she went to the seventh pageant. She won and became Miss America. Now imagine like you're going through that in year one of your life and you think God has stopped. And you give up on your destiny because you're on a detour. Whatever you're going through today, trust God. Because all things work together for good. For those who love God. Come on, just bow your heads with me this morning. Hallelujah. Let me just pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person in this room this morning. And I pray in the name of Jesus that they will trust you in all things at all times. We surrender to your sovereignty right now. We surrender to your sovereignty, Almighty God. We believe that in your providence, you are arranging all things to achieve your sovereign purpose. Nothing can thwart, challenge, or change your plans. I pray, Lord God, for your people this morning that they will never lose hope. Even when they don't see it, they will believe that you're working. Even when the feelings are not there, they will trust that you are working. That they will trust in you with all their hearts. May we live in surrender to your sovereignty and believe in your providence. Let your sovereignty be one And your providence be one. And so the one plus one will make life make sense. We thank you. Lord, we bless you. And we give you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, just put your hands together for Jesus this morning. Hallelujah.